take God's word with me and go with me to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. I appreciate Pastor Turner's friendship. We've known each other since, I don't know, 2018 maybe? Something like that. It's good to have friends in the ministry. People you can call. You know you have a friend when you can tell them the truth about yourself, your faults and your failures, and they say, I know that, but I still love you, brother. I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for Pastor Turner, his wife, and all the hard work of this church. I know there are people in this church who don't ever get credit for making the meals, cleaning the toilets, all of those things. But Pastor Turner, I know, and his wife couldn't do the things they do without your help. And so I really appreciate that. We're all laborers in God's work. Jonah chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. The Word of God says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my say when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a merciful God, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning arose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered and it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Let's go to God in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to speak to your heart this evening as we pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your ever-living word. We are thankful that it is inspired, it is infallible, it is preserved. The verbal plenary inspiration of all Scripture. We are thankful that we hold the Bible in our hands this evening, Lord. We're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We're thankful we don't just serve you to do things. We serve you, as we heard earlier, about the blood of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ and the saving power of Jesus Christ. We praise your name for that. And we ask you this evening that you would help us to be submitted to your word. If there's anything in our lives that is not right with you, we pray that we would have our lives cleansed before we go any further in the service. We pray that you would reveal to us things that need to change. We pray that you would give us the joy of our salvation. We pray you give us endurance 
to press on for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take our text verse from verse 11. God is speaking to Jonah. And I'm sure you've read this story over and over and over. He says here, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? I want you to mark that phrase, that great city. That great city. Now, I don't pastor in Nineveh. I don't go to Nineveh to reach Nineveh. Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. But I've, I've looked at that verse, and I've read it this way. And wherever you pastor, or wherever you live and help your pastor, by the way, you're either pastoring a church or you're helping somebody pastor a church. But notice what the Bible says in verse 11. It says, and should not I spare North Bay? I've said it that way because the Lord's led me and called me to North Bay. And I know I'm supposed to be there. Now, that may not be the place God has called you. But he says here, and should not I spare, you put your city in there. That great city. It is a great city. It is not a horrible city. It is not a sad city. It is not just a wicked city. I want you to know that whatever place God puts you in, it is a great city. And God says here, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city. Well, He's talking partly about the population. Notice what he says. Wherein, in this city, are more than six score thousands, thousand persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. Now, there are a few people that are grown in here who probably can't discern between your right hand and your left hand, but I'm not speaking about that. When the Bible speaks about those that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, he's speaking of children here. And he's saying, and should not I spare Nineveh for me? Should not I spare North Bay, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? I struggled about the message this evening. I really did. And I really did not get what God wanted me to, to say until right before the meeting this evening. But I believe I, that the Lord wants me just to bear my heart with you and be transparent with you. As a pastor, as a Christian in my own life, I struggle much with discouragement. I struggle with that a lot. I don't know if you pastors can identify with that at all, but I struggle with discouragement. I struggle with discouragement in my own Christian life, with my own walk with God. I struggle with my own sin, and I struggle with my failures as a pastor. I'm not trying to give you a pity party this evening. I'm just trying to be transparent with you. And we all go through struggles. And sometimes when we come to church, we carry our Bibles and have a suit on. And we don't really like to share our struggles. And we say, I'm okay. I'm fine. But really, we're not okay. And I struggle much with discouragement. I struggle with discouragement as a pastor when you're, you're, you're just looking for that one person to say, I really appreciate the message and nobody says that. Or they want to criticize your message. Have you ever had that, pastors? And it's like every, every person that Sunday you needed the encouragement. There were three or four that were discouraged by your message. Oh, you could have said it better this way. I'm discouraged by uh, the father I am. I know I should be a better father, and I try to teach my children about God. But every one of us has failed in some way as a father. Not We could be better, and we could improve. And so I get discouraged that way. I don't know how you're discouraged. One of the ways I get discouraged is I get discouraged because I have good plans and good ideas and sometimes my execution doesn't always turn out like it ought to. No matter what you deal with, 
I deal with this discouragement the most. And it's called contentment. Contentment. Now, my wife likes to tell me that it's because I have no patience. But I, I really believe the biblical term here is, yes, I need patience. That's part of my problem. But it's really being content. I'll give you a little bit of personal testimony. When I was uh, in Bible college, I graduated from Bible college, and we had an opportunity to go to England for a semester of school. I went over to England, and I studied for four months. I was a single young man. I went there. And when I went over to England, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing Big Ben. I enjoyed seeing Buckingham Palace. I enjoyed traveling up to Scotland and seeing, uh, looking for the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, I never found him, but I, I was looking for him. I enjoyed seeing the beautiful landscape. I remember looking at this huge stag in the middle of the Scottish Highlands, and I thought, you know, I could live here. I remember seeing all of that. I remember traveling to Northern Ireland and singing and preaching in some of the churches there. I remember seeing all of that. And then I remember God specifically leading me there for a time in my life when I was single. I was there for about a year and a half as a single young man traveling as an evangelist. Now, if you were to ask me, do you like what you're doing? I, I would have said, I love what I'm doing. I love every minute of it. I love what it looks like. I love where I'm at. I love that I get to travel by train and I get to travel by car. I love it that I take young people in my car from the Bible college I went to and we can go preach in struggling churches. We used to travel and go to little small churches. Churches, I remember going to a church and the youngest person was 65 years old. And you were to preach the gospel and a pastor told me you need to go there and preach because many of them don't even have assurance whether they're saved or not. And I remember going to those places. I remember going to those struggling places and looking for empty church buildings. And I thought, I'd be there the rest of my life. Well, my father and my sister both got cancer at the same time. I, was, I, was, I went through a bit of a discouragement, and I decided I needed to go home to finish a master's degree online. And I was planning on going back to England. My whole goal was to go there and pastor a church one day. I thought, I'm for sure that this is where God has led me. But God had other plans. I, I traveled and I, uh, while I was in the master's degree, I went to, uh, back to Tennessee. And after that, they said, why don't you go to Canada? You can go uh, in the central region of the United States and then Ontario. I was supposed to come out to B.C. I was supposed to go out to the western states and then B.C. But they said, uh, this year, no, we're not going to do that. They, they scrapped those plans and said, let's go to the central United States and Ontario for five days. I got excited because I thought, you know, Canada is a British commonwealth. I thought, well, at least they have the queen on the money. And there's, at least they're not, they're not uh, at least it's not like uh, where I was raised, it's somewhere different. I wanted to see something here that was just like England, and I, I try to put those things together in my mind, but I didn't know anything about Canada, and I was ignorant like most Americans are ignorant. And so, I, no, no offense, students. And we went, I, I came up here, and it just so happened the third day, I, I met my wife. And she never said, you need to come to Canada, or I'm not going to marry you. No, she knew I was headed toward England. She knew I was headed toward England, and, and uh, she said, I'm willing to go. But as I moved up here, we were going, I was going to live up here until we got married, become a permanent resident, and so on, and then eventually get to England. And I began to pray about that. 
I remember standing, my wife had a music studio at the time when she was single, and then right after we were married, I remember standing in the window of her studio. Now, you can't work when you first come across as an American, so I couldn't work. I could only help the pastor at Near North Baptist Church. He was an American missionary, so I was just helping him and assisting him, and it was a discouraging work. There was about 8 to 12 people there on a Sunday morning. I remember looking out that window and seeing about three or four feet of snow. And it was minus 17. And I thought, you know, I like Big Ben. I, li- I, like, I like the Scottish Highlands. I know it rains a lot over there, but I, I like that. And I began to think of it that way. But did you know the thought hit my mind at that very moment? Perhaps everything God showed you there is for what God had for you right here. And it was just a thought that hit my mind. And again, I was reminded, not really of this verse, but this verse reminds me of that story. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city? And should not I spare North Bay, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? And I began to think, after my wife and I got married, we still had plans to go to England. And I thought, well, after we get married, things work out as far as the visa situation. Then I'm going to raise support, and then we're going to go. And I had all of these plans in order. God has a way of wrecking your plans. And I was there five months before we were married with plans to go. And right before, about we were to be married July 13th, 2013. And, and I remember about two months before that, I would go down to the lake in North Bay. There's a, there's a lake there called Lake Nipissing. I would go down to that lake, and it would be early in the morning, and I would get uh, coffee, and I'd go down to that lake for a sunrise, and I, we had beautiful sunrises, and I was standing there looking at the city in North Bay. It wasn't a, an extremely beautiful city. It was a beautiful area, a beautiful lake, but I had seen other cities that were visibly better appealing to the eye. It was a good place to go, And it was a beautiful waterfront, but I looked at the city, and there's nothing iconic about it. But I began to pray for all the work in England. I began to think about all those pastors, and I was praying for all those churches that had empty church buildings. And the thought hit my mind then, when am I just going to do what I know the Lord wants me to do? God began to work out the whole visa situation, and you, many of you have worked through that visa situation, and you understand that. And the Lord eventually showed me that I should be in Canada. Being in Canada was not really about the place, about liking the place or making it feel iconic to me. There was nothing here that was appealing as far as visually, unless I'd have went to BC, I guess. But when I came here, when I began to pray, I asked the Lord to remove all my emotions from the decision. I asked the Lord to show me in a plain path if England was for Canada or if Canada was for me to go back to England. And I called my friend one day and I asked him, it was a pastor friend who had much experience, I asked him, I said, what, what is, I'm trying to discern, what do you think it is? He said, I don't know, I'm praying for you, bye, and he hung up the phone. And I began to pray more. And I came to the conclusion that everything God had taught me in my entire life, not just everything He taught me in England, was for that great city. 
And should not I spare Nineveh? And should not I spare North Bay, that great city? I want you to know that the city you may be in may not be the easiest city, but it is a great city if that's the place where God has called you. It may not be a beautiful city visually appealing to you. They may not have nice coffee shops there, but I want you to know it's a great city. And here's the problem in Jonah's life. We know the story. is Jonah really wasn't content. Jonah was the laborer that should have been content with just doing what God wanted him to do. The first thing I've written down is the calling of the laborer. The calling of the laborer. You'll find that in chapter 1. Notice what the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Now I want you to go to chapter 2 and notice verse 1. Jonah begins to pray and he begins to repent to the Lord at the end of, uh, excuse me, of chapter 3. He, he, he begins to repent in chapter 2. But if you'll notice chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says here, and the word of the Lord came into Jonah the second time. I'm thankful for second chances. And God calls this laborer Jonah. He flees from the presence of the Lord. He knows he should go to that great city, Nineveh. Now, it wasn't a great city as far as he thought because the Ninevites, the Assyrian Empire, if you study history, they had a way of filleting people alive that were their enemies without killing them. They had a way of torturing Jewish people. And perhaps Jonah said, this is not a very comfortable situation for me. Perhaps he thought, some of my relatives have been killed. Perhaps he thought, this is only the smartest, safest, most comfortable thing for me to do to spare my own life. He could perhaps have thought, I'll go to somewhere like Tarshish. I'll go down to Joppa. They may be better ports. They may be better cities. And I'll take a boat from there and go somewhere else. Besides, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. And I can go over there as well. But that was not God's will for Jonah. Many times... We get complacent and we get uncomfortable in the situation God has put us in. And we are uncontent with where God has us. And so we begin, we begin to think about the grass being greener on the other side. We begin to think about the, the future. We begin to think, well, if I go over here, maybe people will like me better. If I go over here, maybe it'll be an easier path for me. If I go over here, at least people won't be criticizing me whatever it might be, and we begin to strategize and we begin to give excuses to God just like Jonah did. And God says, no, I want you to know like the first time I said, arise, go to Nineveh. He says now again, the very same words, arise, go into Nineveh. Why? Because Nineveh is that great city. It is a great city. And God is calling people in this room this evening. He's not calling you two times like He called Jonah. He's calling you five times. He called you in Matthew. He called you in Mark. He called you in Luke. He called you in John. And He called you in Acts. And He says in Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says in Acts 1, 8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. There is no place to stop. 
every single community, whether small, whether great, whether large, whether beautiful, whether they have lakes, whether they have mountains, whether they're flat, whether the people are mean to you, whether they swear at you and curse your name. We were in Sudbury the other day and we were open air speaking and we aren't just on the street screaming at people. We're just giving the gospel and engaging people. And a man swore at me and I can't tell you what he said, but he began to swear a long string of curse words and tell me what I'm doing is really brainwashing people. And I thought, well, you know, maybe their brains need washing. The Bible says here, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city. God is calling people this evening. Perhaps you're a young person and you have been uh, toying with this idea that you could be a laborer. Did you know whether you're a preacher or not in this room, you're a laborer? If you're a doctor, you're a laborer for God. You're not a doctor to make money. You're a doctor to make the money to serve the Lord and to follow the Lord and work under your pastor in your local church. If you're a teacher in a, in a public school, you're to be that teacher that serves the Lord. If you're a young person in school, in your school age, you need to know the Lord. And after you know the Lord, you're to help your pastor and encourage your pastor to reach other folks in your community and in your city, just like right here in Burnaby, B.C. God says here in the greater Vancouver area, we can stand and we can preach the gospel because it is a great city. God is calling laborers. He's calling. I, I, I can almost imagine Jonah as he starts boarding a boat. And maybe he remembers the word of the Lord as he boarded that boat to go the opposite direction. Jonah, Jonah, arise. I think that's very interesting. God demands action from every believer. If you're seated still and you think, well, I could be involved in reaching that great city. I might be involved in reaching that great city. I could be involved with helping the Lord and his work. I could be involved in encouraging my pastor to reach every house in our community with the gospel, but you're not doing it yet. There's something that needs to happen from sitting still to actually going out, and you must arise and go unto Nineveh, that great city. I know Vancouver gets criticized much because of certain parts of this city, and we see it uh, where we are on the news, and we think, oh, that's, that's really bad. Look at the drugs there. But you know, I, I traveled about everywhere in Canada and I find drugs are a problem. When I was in England, homelessness and drugs were a problem there. In Tennessee, where I was born and raised, drugs are a problem there. We can use every excuse imaginable, but God is still calling nonetheless. And He says we need to rise and do something. Here's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, God tells us in this passage. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says in verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. And I know that if you're lost here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ, you are dead in your trespasses and in sins. And God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to convict you this evening and show you you need to repent and turn to Jesus Christ, believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. But that's also to the believer. That's also to us as pastors who have become like Jonah in our thinking 
who have become depressed and discouraged and disillusioned and we feel like giving up. It is not the time to give up. Acts 20 verse 24, Paul said this, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. You say, why can't you give up? First of all, there's a Savior who bled and died for you. Second of all, there is a great city. 2.3 million people right here who are lost and dying and going to hell. 52,000 people in North Bay. I think of Capus Casing, 8,500 people. I think of Sudbury, 167,000 people. 14 million people in Ontario. You can say whatever the population is, but that's just a number. If we don't say, I'm going to leave out of my complacency, I'm going to arise and I'm going to do something about it. God says here, there's the calling. Then we see the complaining. Notice what he says in chapter 4. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Well, he's not right with God, is he? He's got to the place in his spiritual life. He knows he needs to preach the gospel. He knows all the information. Many of us have been to Bible college. Many of us have been taught the information. Many of us have forgotten more verses than other people will ever hear. And yet, we're displeased and angry and we're uncontent with the place God has called us to. And notice what he says in verse 2. For I knew that thou art a gracious God. He should be thankful God is gracious, but that's why he's angry. He says, you're a merciful God. You're slow to anger and of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil. Many a times we look at what's going on and we think, even so come Lord Jesus. And I know that we should be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus. And I'm not trying to criticize that. And I know the older you get, the more you look forward to it. I'm not trying to criticize you. But I'm here to tell you, we're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. And God says here in verse 3, uh, Jonah is complaining to the Lord. He said, Now for there, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. You ever said something like that to God? Maybe you didn't ask God to take your life from you, but maybe you got discouraged and you thought, Lord, I don't know if serving the Lord and giving the gospel is just worth it. I could work a secular job somewhere. I could do this. I could do that. I don't know if I could be a faithful church member and help my pastor. It seems like I fail and I struggle with besetting sin and whatever we might use, we complain to the Lord. Then notice Jonah, just for sake of time, he builds him a booth, and then the Lord prepared a gourd. Did you know God in His mercy in the heat prepared a gourd? In His mercy prepared a gourd. Now, I hate snow. I told you I hated snow. It, gets, it can get minus 40 in North Bay. I remember this year, finally, after ten and a half years, the Lord blessed me with a snowblower. And I was grateful for that. And I think of this story. Whenever I'm uncontent, the Lord blessed him with a gourd to come up over his head and to give him a shadow over his head. And then Jonah said this in verse, the Lord said this in verse 6, and the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow of his head. Deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now he's angry with God because God is gracious to sinners, but he's glad because God gave him some comfort. We need to really take stock of our own lives and think the real reason why that I am not content is not because I need to go somewhere else. It is not because I need to change locations. It is because I've let 
sin creep into my life. And now I'm unhappy and I'm uncontent with what God has given me. But I certainly like those gourds along the way. And then God prepares a worm. Did you know the same God in His mercy that gives you a gourd is the same God in His mercy that gives you a worm to eat your gourd? And sometimes God gives you something so He can take it away from you. And when He takes it away from you, you're exceedingly upset about it. And notice what the Bible says in verse 8. And it came to pass when the sun did rise, God prepared a vehement east wind. So He prepares a gourd, He prepares a worm, and He prepares a wind. For me, I take that and apply it to North Bay where I am. He prepared an, a vehement wind of snow. And I think all of that snow is coming in in the wintertime. What can be done? We can't really go out and witness like we did before. What is this? This is so discouraging. I'm ready to throw up my hands. But notice, God let that happen. God sent that. Before you start blaming the devil for being uncontent, why don't you start realizing that it could be we're just blaming God for being uncontent. And God says here, He prayed and said, It is better for me to die than to live. He says something foolish again to God. And then God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Now he's backslidden here. And notice the last thing I want you to see. Not only do you see the calling of the laborers, you see the complaining of Jonah, but I want you to see the conviction that all of us need. Notice he says in verse 10, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored. You know what we pray? I would be honest with you. When we use this verse in Matthew 9 verse 38, sometimes in my uncontentment, I don't get upset with God because I know He inspired the Word, but sometimes I read that verse and I think, well, I'm praying for laborers. And I know multitudes of people that are praying for laborers. But I can name to you church after church after church after church where there are no laborers yet. And I begin to ask the Lord, well, if we're praying for laborers and we're meeting on Zoom as pastors to pray for laborers, then why aren't they here yet? That's all in God's hands. But notice, he says, which thou hast not labored. Which thou hast not labored. Did you know Jonah was wasting his time while God was laboring to give mercy to Jonah and to encourage Jonah to stay on the right path. And yet Jonah was being uncontent when we won't even go out and be one of those laborers ourselves. Perhaps instead of importing laborers, and I'm one of those imports, by the way, instead of importing laborers, maybe we need to start exporting laborers. And God says here, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Here's that conviction. That conviction is what is found in Matthew 19 and verse 13. Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. There was a man named Robert Rakes. Robert Rakes was a man in Gloucester, England. He owned the Gloucester Times. Robert Rakes began walking down the street. He had a cane, and he began walking down the street on a Sunday. But before that, you should know about Robert Rakes, that he had a ministry to help prisoners. And I'm grateful to God for those who have a ministry to help prisoners and people who are addicted to things in, in their life. That's a great ministry to have. But he gave his life fully to that. And he got very discouraged because he was trying and trying and trying, but he saw no return on his investment. And he began to ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on here? It seems like they keep reoffending and going back to prison and going back to prison. What can be done until one day he walked out 
and he saw some young men, some young boys swearing and saying all kinds of awful things on the Lord's Day on a Sunday. And he thought, why aren't they in church? And he began to think, we need to prevent prison time. Let's reach a child. And so he rented a little room on the main street there in Gloucester, England, and he began to invite those rough and ready kids to Sunday school, and he brought them in one by one. By his death, that was the first Sunday school in England, by his death there were over 1,200 Sunday schools. If you go to Queen's Park in Ontario, there's a big black statue there, and there's a statue of Robert Rakes that said he is responsible for religious education in Canada. Now, he was in England. Now, how did that happen? Because he took a stand over there, it came all across a boat over here, and now there are Sunday schools, and we have Sunday schools in our churches because one man with a cane walked around. And the biographer said about it, they said every time he would walk, he said every time somebody would slam the door in his face, he would take that cane and he would hit it to the ground as he walked, and he heard the word try. He said when he went over and some little boy would swear at him when he invited him to Sunday school, he would put that cane down again and he heard the word try. And when he wanted to quit, he heard the word try. And he heard every step try, 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 try. And he tried. And the Lord worked. And God used Robert Rakes to reach many. Dale Moody was preaching and as he was preaching, he preached about evangelism. He preached that we ought to get up and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And there was a lady that came. She was angry with his message. And she said to him, Mr. Moody, I don't like your type of evangelism. He said, well, I don't either. I do a really bad job of it. Can you tell me how you do your evangelism? She said, well, you know, I don't. He said, well, I still like mine better than yours. And God says here, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, where there are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle? And maybe, just maybe, we're uncontent because of all the adults and older folks who've already decided to do with their life what they want, but perhaps we just need to go out and give the gospel because there's a new generation coming up who need to hear the message. Let's pray.